I will kill for the idea. No matter how much you try to point this out, the hypocrisy Unleashed Truth Radio. Now we're coming to, uh, I think, one of the more historical things that justifies our being here. With your host, Mitchell Nicholas Gerber. Okay, everybody, well, welcome to Unleashed Truth Radio Show with your host, Mitchell the Lionheart. As always, it's a pleasure, it's an honor, and it is that time of day that we are uh, broadcasting live from Vietnam. And I have such a special, amazing guest today, one of very few that I can tell you have such a story to share with us, and his investigations are just blowing up in the world today. And uh, still have not come to light as they will very soon in the future on every mainstream media station with his colleagues, with his partners, unveiling one of the most horrendous, folks, horrific crimes. And still to this day, I still cannot believe that this is going on after all my work um, on the front lines myself for the last 20 years. Wow, I can't believe uh, in the next three days it will be my anniversary of coming up on 20 years uh, marking the, the time when I got involved with this particular cause. I've always been a veteran activist. I've always been on the front lines, standing up for the righteous and the good and the, the helpless, because what is a man who cannot make the world a better place? But this man is um, something else. I mean, he is uh, truly a, uh, a courageous warrior, an uh, honorable person, and I'll get, him to get into him soon enough. And I, as always, would love to wish everybody a very healthy and prosperous uh, time of life. We're living in a very perilous time with this virus upon us and uh, uncertainty. Yet, no matter what happens, we just have to stay calm, stay strong, and stay positive and do the best we can to maintain a good mindset of success, whether in business, whether in love, in life. And... Um, you know, I always do this, folks, uh, bring to light things in life, and the show is going to, each and every week, is going to evolve into something more and more, because obviously we are here for a reason, we are here to expose the truth, and the whole truth, and nothing but the truth on Unleashed Radio Show, with uh, the Lionheart, and um, again, the content and the the show's uh, mission is to always bring light to the places where the not so good people in this world don't want us to go and uh, you know me I'm a courageous person when it comes to that I put it all on the line and I love having guests on the show that really bring out the truth and haven't got the uh, the fear uh, have the fearless nature of expressing and standing up for what is right, even though so much is trying to stop them from doing this. And uh, more and more in the show, in the future shows, I'll have even more guests on to expose the uh, evil in this world and to stand up for what is right. So without any further ado, I would love to play a clip from this wonderful guest I am going to have on very soon to ask a couple of questions uh, to. And, um, 
I tell you folks, this is a historic time we're living in. I mean, not only not only is it a time for great awakening, uh, understanding, and inspiration, yet what side of destiny are you really standing on when it comes to this kind of uh, discernment? Are you just going to go in life and live your life and uh, make money and go on with your wonderful you know, uh, uh, time, uh, uh, doing what you want to do, oblivious to the world around you? Or are you really going to take notes on certain issues that maybe not affect you, but yet what would you do if this did affect you, if this was on your doorstep, if this had an effect on your family, on your loved ones, on your colleagues, on your community? What would you do? Just giving a little bit of thought or contemplation, things that maybe have you go, hmm, that's pretty something important to prick my ears up about. So these are the kind of conversations that I like having, and I'm sure as time progresses, we'll have you more in the mix in understanding what is going on and tune in a little bit more, and uh, you can uh, bring more people on board. It's important for everybody to get the message out there about these important uh, uh, issues that we bring about each and every week. So without further ado, I want to play this clip uh, and then come into uh, the show with this amazing, amazing man that I had the privilege to, uh, uh, to bring to London uh, with us on a coalition in terms of human rights and exposure into the darkness of a super uh, uh, power and what they're doing to its people, and now what the, what they're doing to you in terms of China, the virus. Um, so it's not a it's not a, a one-sided thing anymore, everybody. Uh, this is affecting the whole world. So I would like to play this clip, and then we'll bring on our amazing guest. So here we go. Without further ado, let me further ado. Let me play this this clip, listening in closely, and then. Um, I will share this amazing guest with you. So here we go. Here's the clip. David Maidus is actually Jewish, and he's, uh, he's been a student of the Holocaust, and he's done enormous amount of work on that. In fact, he's on the Raoul Wallenberg uh, uh, investigation committee. We're both actually from the same city in Canada. We actually knew each other when we were very young, 16 or 17, at, at university together, and we've both been interested in human dignity for all our lives, really. My mother and father were lucky enough that they could have uh, caregivers in our home in the late 40s and 50s who had come from places like Poland and uh, other countries where the Russians, Soviet Union had been and had done terrible things to people. And so these wonderful women would tell me what had happened to their family or their cousins and, and at the hands of the Russians. So I I think I learned about communism when I was maybe six or seven or eight years old, and uh, and so uh, I had a sort of inner understanding of it. And so when I heard, learned what the Communist Party was doing in China, it was not a. It sort of brought back memories of what the Russians did to uh, people in Central Europe and Eastern Europe, people I had known and loved. They were, they were dear, dear, dear friends. So I, I guess it may have started there. And over the years, I've known people from Rwanda, friends from Rwanda, people from uh, Ukraine, a lot of countries that have been uh, treated abominably by uh, by totalitarian regimes, whether Nazi or or, uh, or communist. And as far as I'm concerned, 
they're virtually the same. The, the, the Nazis and the communists had, uh, th yes, there were differences, of course, but uh, the methods were the same and are the same today. The totalitarian governments of any stripe think that people have no dignity, they have no value, and that they can do anything they want to them. And uh, uh, I sometimes worry that human life in China today has the no value whatsoever. And when you, and when you see what's happening to the Falun Gong practitioners, you, uh, you, you would have to think that's true. We were asked to, uh, to investigate by the coalition to investigate the persecution of Falun Gong. And uh, two of us agreed to do it independently. And uh, when we both learned the other was going to be doing it, I think we were both delighted. We've been doing it. We've been adding to our knowledge for seven years. And I think, I think uh, initially, on our first report, we did it after four or five months. And we were convinced that the allegations were true, that, that the uh, Falun Gong community were being killed for their organs, and their organs were being sold to, to organ tourists from abroad and, and to wealthy Chinese. And then we did a follow-up report, and then I guess we did the book in 2009. And by that point, we had received so much evidence that we had no doubt whatsoever in our minds that, it, that it, this uh, we call a new crime against humanity or a new form of evil in the world was going on. And, uh, and the people would say, even I even heard this on this trip, that well, we need more evidence. Well, I think if you look at it, we have 52 kinds of evidence. Mm -hmm. And for some people, we'll never have enough evidence. But if we had 152, they'd say, oh, we need more evidence. But for fair-minded people in governments and parliamentarians and so on and journalists, I don't think there's any doubt that the, the case has been proven. The fact that the government of China is now talking about uh, stopping uh, organ transplants uh, from prisoners, of course, they never mention Falun Gong prisoners. They always talk about prisoners who are subject to capital punishment. Wang Jiafu, for example, the former deputy minister of health, always talks about about uh, convicted criminals. And I've never heard the word Falun Gong come out of his mouth. He's admitted, for example, that he uh, did uh, two liver transplants for, uh, I think, since 1989, every week. And now he's involved with this new do donation program. And uh, I hope it works. I hope they do stop using organs from all prisoners. But uh, since it's so profitable and, and uh, they've been doing it for so long, I think it's going to take more even more pressure from the world community. And I think we're at the tipping point where, where we're finding that talking to parliamentarians in Asia and North America and Europe, I think we're at the point now where parliamentarians are going to pass laws that say it's, uh, if you buy a trafficked organ, uh, uh, pay for an organ, that's an offense. And uh, uh, New South Wales is talking about this in um, Australia. We've been to the Irish parliament and I think they're looking at this sympathetically. I was in the British parliament last week so, and now, of course, in Sweden, I, I hope that parliaments will pass laws like this right across the world. We're going to keep going until this stops, along with thousands and thousands, if not millions of other people, until the, the pillaging of organs of Falun Gong stops in China. We're going to keep going. We're going to last longer than, than the party state in China. When they stop, we will stop. So as you can see, this man needs no introduction. He's the former Secretary of State to the Canadian Affairs of the of the Canadian Parliament, Asian Affairs of the Canadian Parliament. David Kilgore is a co-chair of the Canadian Friends of a Democratic Rerun, past chair of the Latin America and Caribbean Policy Working Group, 
of the Ottawa branch of the Canadian International Council, a director of the Washington-based Council for a Community of Dem Democracies, CCD, a fellow of the Queen's University Centre for the Study of Democracy, and the list goes on and on and on, a, a, a Crown Prosecutor a director of the New York-based NGO Advancing Human Rights and a director of the Ottawa Mission Foundation. And as you have saw in, seen in his clip, he is a staunch advocate of what is going on in China. And um, it's quite unbelievable that this is happening. I've talked about this on my show. Actually, I introduced this and grounded my show in this atrocity against the innocent prisoners of conscience of Falun Gong, of the Uyghur Muslims, of the House Christians and the Tibetans, where hundreds and thousands have been sent to, to uh, labor camps, concentration camps, how tens of thousands have been killed for their organs in the most horrific ways. And um, this is still hard to believe, yet this man, uh, David Kilgore, who I'm going to bring on in a moment, and his partners have um, unraveled this and confirmed that these allegation folks are true and folks this is not a kidney in the bathtub this is an actual confirmed genocide so without further ado uh mr kilgore are you there yes i am yes indeed uh, thank uh, you mitch the lionhearted thank, thank you, you sir. For, so, thank you for all your kind words too by the way oh absolutely such an honor so David, could you share a little bit of in, a, a background? I know I, I, I read your bio, uh, but there's so much you have done in your life and there's so much you are doing in your life and now you are on the uh, the pinnacle of a cause that is about to blow open and I quite frankly believe that, you know, uh, I cannot wait to see every single mainstream media, whether on the right side of the fence or the left side of politics, having you on the show with your colleagues. So if you could just share a little bit about yourself uh, and tell the audience who you uh, are and what you've been doing. Well, I'll make it very short. I, I actually, I couldn't hold a job. That's why I have to do all these different things, Mitch. <laughs> no, no, no. I, 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 was, sure. I was a prosecutor, as you mentioned, for about a decade. And I did, I did a lot of serious cases. And so I, that to say that I should know something about laws of evidence, rules of evidence and what's proof and what isn't proof. And that's why I, I, David Maitis and I, when we did this study in China you mentioned, we found, I think it was 18 kinds of proof that the government of China is killing prisoners of conscience. That is people who've been convicted of nothing. Falun Gong, House Christians, uh, Uyghurs, of course, now in large numbers. Um, and, uh, the way it essentially works is if one of your listeners, let's say he or she's living in uh, Los Angeles, if they want a new kid in your liver, and they can do this today, maybe not right now with the pandemic, but they can do it when we're not having a pandemic. They can put up a lot of money, and we've posted on our on our site the price list for things. They're very expensive human organs, vital organs, lung, liver, kidneys, and so on. They fly to, to Shanghai, they're put in the number one people's hospital in Shanghai. Their blood tests, tissue types are tested. The surgeon then goes on a uh, computer and he finds out who's a match for say, let's say it's you. And some poor man in one of the forced labor camps where incidentally they, we've talked to people who've got out of these camps so we know, they make things like, like toys for McDonald's, all kinds of garments, all kinds of consumer goods for the West, 16 hours a day no pay, sleeping 16 of them in a room. But then one unlucky day arrives and 
poor person that says a match for you is dragged out of the, uh, the room and he's given some potassium. Then his, not just his liver, kidneys and so on, everything is taken out of him. Of course, he's dead. His body is burned and the organ that you bought is flown to Shanghai. It's transplanted into you when you come back to say uh, Los Angeles with a new, say a new liver. And somebody, an innocent person has died because of that. And uh, uh, the surgeons, the pilots who fly the organs, the nurses, the hospitals all make a lot of money out of those things. And you might, you might say, well, how many people are they, are they killing a year this way? And the best, our best estimate is that it's between between 60 and 100,000 people a year are being killed for their organs. And that, that's a crime like unimaginable to most people. And most people find it hard to believe, but we've got, they want to go on my website that you mentioned. They go to the uh, International Coalition. They can see we have a huge amount of evidence that it's happening. And the government of China doesn't even really try to deny it anymore. They'll say, oh, it's rumor, but it's not rumor. We've, we've looked very, very carefully at the evidence because we know if we had one thing wrong, they're going to say, you see, you got that wrong, so you've got everything wrong. So we have to be very, very careful what we say. So, so David, this is a uh, this is you're saying this is a judicial execution. I mean, how are they? Uh, is this a kill to order genocide? I mean, is this like taking lobsters out of a tank? Uh, well, I mean, the London Independent Tribunal considered that word genocide, and they uh, they decided not to use it. The history of the Genocide Convention is is complicated, and what's a genocide and what isn't. No, what I'm just what we're describing is the government murder of its own citizens, prisoners of conscience, virtually none of them have been convicted of anything. You, your viewers may not know that in China you can be sent, a policeman can send uh, anybody to prison for up to three years, uh, no hearing, no appeal, no trial, just on a police signature. By the way, that's a system that was designed by Joseph Stalin and Adolf Hitler. That's where they got the system from. That's, as I said, before they go and they work in these work camps, 16 hours a day until, uh, in many cases, until these people are killed by, uh, because somebody wants their organs. Most of the organs, I should have said, Mitch, go to people in China, wealthy people, party members, usually in China, but some of them still go to foreigners who, who can afford the prices and, can, and would go over and take an organ in these circumstances. Some people tell us they didn't know that these organs, they didn't know they were coming from innocent people, but um, you don't have to look very far in Google or anywhere else to see uh, the kind of evidence that's out there now, including this tribunal from London that reported, as, as, as you're aware, I'm sure, that uh, uh, an independent tribunal in Britain found that uh, beyond any doubt that this is happening. So it's terrible. Unbelievable. You know, when I first heard about these these killings uh, from the Chinese state uh, in large numbers, uh, majority are Falun Gong, correct? Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, you, you and uh, and David Mattis, I mean, worked tirelessly as independent contractors, investigators. You weren't paid for it. You were not part of any group. Um, you did it solely on your own. And in 2006, you confirmed about 18 pieces of evidence in your um in your report, and then you created a book called Bloody Harvest. Oh, Tell us a little bit about that. Well, we, uh, we, our figure was 41,500 transplants that were done between, uh, I guess it was 2001 and 2005, that 
uh, beyond any doubt in our minds, and we explain it all in the book how we arrived at the figures. And we had people calling the hospitals, as you probably as you know, asking, pretending they were Falun Gong, or, or they wanted an organ. Could they come and get a Falun Gong organ? And the reason they want Falun Gong organs, as I'm sure you know, is that they don't smoke or drink. They're healthy people. They do exercises, and all that kind of reason. So they're ideal donors. That's why people would would, would try to get organs from. From, Don from Falun Gong. Now the situation I should have mentioned before with the Uyghurs is that we have between, I think it's between one and three million Uyghurs are in these terrible camps in Xinjiang in Northwestern China. And we're, we, uh, we know that they're being used for organ donors too. And that's, that's also hideous. These people are being, uh, are being treated as everybody I hope knows are being appallingly in these camps. And with the uh, pandemic going on, you can imagine how vulnerable these people are in these camps. We're finding it very hard to get information out of Xinjiang, the former, the former East Turkestan, as to how many people have, have been hit by the pandemic. So it, it's, uh, it's almost beyond belief this could be happening in the 21st century, but it is. And it's up to all of us to do what we can to get them to stop it. And that's why we invite anybody watching, invite anybody watching this to go on the website and and, and join us, join the coalition. You'll see we've got some some very uh, dedicated people in in a, in a number of countries that are trying trying to get the government of China to stop killing innocent people, whether they're Falun Gong or Uyghurs or house Christians or or whatever. Uh, unbelievable, you know, folks, and people, you know, David, it's so hard for people to understand because I saw you on the roundtable coalition, folks. You can go to endtransplantabuse.org or to YouTube, and when you watch the coalition of these gentlemen and Anastasia Lynn, who was Miss, Miss World Canada was, mm -hmm. with Chris Chappelle, uh, and David and David Mattis and the two Davids, basically, uh, uh, Kil uh, Mr. Kilgore and Ethan Gutman, who we'll get into in, in a moment, who joined forces with you, this is this is all confirmed. I mean, and the governing bodies have kept quiet. I don't hear uh, uh, the, the mainstream media talk about this, whether on the right, whether on the left. This should be broadcasted every single day. I mean, literally, David, you should be so busy right now on every single mainstream media, television station, radio station, podcast in the world exposing this. Why hasn't anybody uh, – uh, uh, my first question is why hasn't anybody even, you know, uh, had you on their, sh their shows in terms of the mainstream exposure? Because I talked to Dr. Invertotti. I had him on last week, and he said that – they, 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 they just do not want to talk about it. And when I saw you on the coalition, even Ethan made the, 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 the gesture, oh, we can just throw it away now, like almost like taking his book, who was uh, basically a Nobel Peace Prize nominee. You've been no nominated. Mattis has been nominated. Uh, he did over seven years investigation into organ yeah. harvesting yeah. with his book, The Slaughter. And, uh, you know, um, uh, Matthew Robinson, an award-winning investigator and journalist, he said, well, they don't, re they don't, they don't read the information. They, they, and, they're, and they're still in disbelief, the world leaders. Oh, is this really going on? Is this really, really going on? So what do you say to people who are still after, since 2006, when you have come out with confirmed evidence, still keeping quiet? What I mean, it's, it's unreal. It's, it's, it's absurd. Well, Yes, I, I hear your point very clearly. And in fact, if you look on my website, there have been hundreds of articles about this subject, going back to 2006, really, as, as you recall way back then. It's true that, that some, uh, some networks, for example, the Australian 
Broadcasting Corporation has been extremely helpful. Ethan and I went to Australia and I think it was 2006. They had us on, I think, three nights in one week. And I'm very happy to, to tell you that we learned afterwards that once Australians became aware of this issue and what, where the organs were coming from in China, we were happy to learn afterwards that very, very few, if any, Australians were going to China after that, once they knew where they were coming from. All kinds of networks like CNN and the New York Times has been very helpful. Uh, the BBC has been extremely helpful. So it's, it's not quite fair to say that the media haven't. Okay. They could be more helpful. And I enormously appreciate what you're doing and what other people are doing. But there has this issue has got a lot of media attention. And uh, as, as Ethan says, the in his book, can we talk about Ethan for a minute? Yes, with pleasure. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, If uh, just, just to preface him, Ethan Gutman joined forces with David Kilgore and David Mattis in around 2014, yes? Around that time or a little earlier? Yeah, a little earlier, yeah. A little earlier, and and, they, and Ethan Gutman is a China investigative uh, award-winning uh, investigator. He has wrote uh, the the book The Slaughter, um, and yeah, uh, please share uh, more about uh, your coalition with him. As you said, Ethan spent seven years researching and writing this book, yeah. and he, his conclusion when it came out in two thousand and fourteen was that uh, there were about sixty thousand Falun Gong Uyghurs. House Christians, uh, Tibetans were were killed in the period from 2000 to 2008, and and then in 2016, Ethan and David and I did an update. We it's it's again you can access the thing on my website at the top of the header page. We uh, we looked at uh, about 700 hospitals in China. We looked at things like logs, all the data we could get very, very carefully. I think we've got something like 1,500 footnotes to our, our, our update. So we have, again, gone further and we've shown that although the government of China says they stopped this, whatever they were doing in 2015, we've shown that, in fact, it's been growing since 2015. And we documented very carefully in the update that it's, it's now the numbers are I'm sure much greater now. And now they have this huge bank bank of so-called donors in the Uyghur community. And uh, that is absolutely despicable. But those men and women are, are how they're being treated in those in those terrible, terrible concentration camps. And we know, because every one of them has been DNA tested, uh, uh, sorry, has been has been tissue tested, as, and you need to do that in order to, to have a match for a donor. So we're uh, we're and we've we've talked to people who got out of these wretched camps who've told us that I'm thinking of one lady who who said that they were all taken away for having been blood tested in this Uyghur camp in Xinjiang, and in her room some of the people who came back with her had yellow scarves around their neck, and after they were tested, and she said those ones with yellow scarf fairly quickly disappeared, so your viewers can pretty readily imagine what happened to them. And since they value the lives of people generally and the Uyghurs even less, and Falun Gong even less, you can imagine how the regime is treating uh, these people as just, just a source of, of revenue as if there were so many uh, cows in, in a feedlot. It's, uh, it's given the, and I can't make this point strongly enough, given the history, the culture, the, the resourcefulness, the intelligence the, and so on of the people of China over many, many centuries, uh, millennia, it's, it's astounding that 
that uh, they could have a government now that uh, is behaving like uh, somebody from the dark ages treating people in the 21st century. But Xi Jinping, the president for life of China, is I think people increasingly know with the pandemic, is, is behaving exactly that way. And we've all got to do what we can, talking to a neighbor, talking to a congressman or to a, to a doctor and say, listen, please join with us, coalition and get the government of China to stop this uh, as quickly as we can. Absolutely. And, you know, there was an article from the Epoch Times um, around March 3rd mm-hmm. that uh, they wrote about how China performs, well, they said the first lung transplant on coronavirus patients. So do you think, uh, and they're raising concerns about the source of organs, obviously this has been confirmed, uh, but do you think that they have ramped up the organ harvesting genocide in China to uh, try and... Um, heal, I guess that's, I don't know if that's the best word, but to replace the infected organs of the rich Chinese communist officials uh, in China? Have you heard anything about that? I, I haven't got a doubt in the world about it, but as a as a, a former prosecutor, I know I have to have proof before I, I say, this official did this in this camp in Xinjiang. Right. I right. do know a case, which I'm, I, I do, and I've written about this, of, I think it was three officials who arrived in Xinjiang way back about uh, 99, 2000. And they came to a hospital in, in Urumqi and they needed some organs. And uh, we've got a statement from the man who, who basically uh, informed us how some, some from Uyghur prisoners who were in the jail were used as, as the donors, quotation marks, for these three officials. Once they got the organs, they went back to Beijing and these, these uh, the donors, in quotation marks, were of course dead. So they were they started doing this to the Uyghur community very on. I have no doubt that they're doing it to the Uyghur community now. But I have not I have not got the kind of proof that David Madison I got for uh, Ellen Gong community. And I saw you. Uh, you know, folks, when you go on what, the li- online and you. Um, uh, type in David Kilgore or forced organ harvesting. I mean, the the plethora of work from David Kilgore and David Mattis's book Bloody Harvest to Ethan Gutman's book The Slaughter to State Organs to the 52 piece of evidence to the World Organization to investigate the persecution of Falun Gong. Yeah. This is this 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 is no. This is not kidney in the bathtub theory. This is not fantasy. People usually ask, tell me, oh, this has happened before. You know, I live in uh, in Southeast Asia, so there's definitely stories of waking up in a bathtub full of ice. But this is state-sanctioned. Is there anywhere in the world, David, that this is going on outside of China in such a – is this is – this, uh, uh, anywhere in the world it's, it's legal or state-sanctioned, or is it just China that is going on just like this? Yeah. It's, uh, there are 193 countries, member countries in the UN. To the best of our knowledge, there's only one country in the world where the, the government is doing it. The government is running the hospitals and, and, and putting the people in prison and, and uh, keeping them in prison until they're ready to have their organs taken. And that is the, and that is the uh, China. And uh, you're right. The other cases you were talking about, as I'm sure you know, Mitch, it's usually one kidney. Someone will sell a kidney in a back alley. And often that goes wrong and there are health complications. But to my knowledge, there isn't another country on the face of the earth where that's happening, uh, where the government is actually running the, the slaughter. 
So where you are having a superpower with the second largest economy, um, the largest in military, I just Googled it, about, about 2.8 million or 2.18 million uh, uh, military men and personnel, and 1.3 billion people um, harvesting their own citizens, basically cutting out their organs while alive and selling the organs for massive amounts of profit. I think you were saying it's a multi-billion dollar industry, and then burying the bodies in ovens. What do you make out about how the communist regime, the Chinese Communist Party, has in control of... Um, or is trying to gain, gain control over 15 specialized agencies of the UN. Uh, they already have uh, uh, four of the UN specialized agencies, while no other country leads more than one. And luckily, last week, the CCP uh, lost a bid to head the World Intellectual Property Organization. I mean, for a country to do this to people, I mean, this is, that's like, this is, this is worse than the Nazis. I mean, how, what is, why is the world allowing the communist regime to head all these so-called isn't the united nations for human rights i mean you have the very person that is the very uh, regime that is violating human rights sitting on the human rights council i mean what do you make of this uh, insanity well it's very demor demoralizing let, let me tell you a quick anecdote i went to the human rights council years ago to talk about this issue and can you believe it as an ngo we were given one minute to speak about organ pillaging okay so the great big room in Geneva full of people and I started in on my one minute state statement and after about 15 state seconds the, the representative from China got up and, and, and interrupted and as I recall he went on for about half an hour saying why I had said something in my 15 seconds that I shouldn't have said. Finally the, the president ruled against him and said I could continue so I finished my 45 seconds in my statement but the whole thing had taken about an hour because of this dare I say, jerk, thinking he would try and stop me from, from giving a one-minute statement. That's how the Human Rights Council works. There are, there are, for example, there's the Torture Committee, which does excellent work. And the, in China, of course, the government of China has no part in that. And, and uh, we've gone to the Torture Committee of the UN, for example. We've gone to other the Committee Against Racial Discrimination. And everybody should know that the government of China is capital R racist. And you may have seen recently, uh, Mitch, when some people in, when the pandemic began, people of origin in Africa were thrown out of their their hotel rooms and their apartments and so on. It was it was it was it was hideous what they were doing to to on a, on a, on a racist basis to people from from Africa. And yet, what they're now doing, you may not have followed this since you're a long way away from Canada, is that uh, the Epoch Times is being accused of racism uh, because they criticize the government of China. But some of us find that pretty highly amusing when you have mostly people from origin in China who are here as refugees in Canada who write about a racist government, blatantly racist government, and, and they're accused of being racist. Well, it's, I mean, that's the, that's the kind of the level of the debate that's going on in this thing. And somehow we have to get it onto a higher level. I, I, I hope that the United Nations Human Rights Council will get rid of China, minimize what it can do, while it's on, I think for three years or four years, and then they'll get off because of course they and some of the other governments represented on the Human Rights Council shouldn't go within seven light years of a Human Rights Council given their, their record at home. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, what came to mind when you were talking about the racist uh, factor, 
Falun Gong has been a, a lot of the Chinese regime's propaganda to cover up this genocide that they are committing, as you have confirmed in your books. I mean, there is absolutely no doubt. But the, 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 the Chinese Communist Party has demonized Falun Gong as some kind of sinister cult, turned public opinion against the practice, and to get away with this kind of murder. What do you have to say about that? Well, we believe in, in the democracies of the world, of which there are thankfully a great many, that, that freedom of religion is one of what's in the human, UN Declaration of Human Rights. Right. And it's, it gives everybody the right to practice religion they choose and to change their religion and this kind of thing. So when you have a government now, particularly in recent years under Xi Jinping, who's doing everything he can to persecute uh, uh, Buddhists, uh, Hindus, anybody, Christians, any group that is, has a faith community is being, is being persecuted in China more than many years. It's, uh, it's tragic. And uh, it's, uh, it's a terrible reflection on the present uh, president for life in China. So, yes, governments... In fact, I'm happy to tell you that my visits to Vietnam I remember once going to, to Hanoi and going to a, a Catholic church and the, uh, and the service was given in French, but nobody attempted to stop. And this was since the, since the takeover of Vietnam by the, by the Viet Cong. Nobody stopped, tried to stop the service. So there was, I found there was freedom of religion in, in Vietnam and in, 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 in most countries there's, there's a high degree of freedom of religion, but not in China. China is one of the worst persecutors of, uh, of uh, religion that's uh, in, the, in the world. Absolutely. And I know you uh, you said that you served on the board of uh, distinguishing cults. And I would just like to make it clear for the, for, the, for the audience, Falun Gong is not a cult. There's no characteristics of Falun Gong being a cult in any sort, is there? We had, a, we had a court in Canada that considered that question and came back oh, years ago and said, uh, said no. They, uh, they heard expert witnesses and they said no. Falun Gong is not a cult. But as, as you viewers know, I'm sure cults, they're commercial cults, they're, they're religious cults. There's the Jim Jones cults. Remember that? From, Correct. Uh, yep. From uh, how many people did he get to drink poison? Oh, I mean, there are all kinds of cults. And, and the Falun Gong community does not meet any of the criteria of being a cult. They don't live in, they, they live on their own with their families, they have jobs, they associate with people. All of the criteria that was looked at by the court in Canada, as I understand it, they found not to be a cult. But it's convenient for the government of China to say they're a cult, and or they're racist. They love these terms, racist and cult. So they use, they throw these labels like mud against the wall, and they hope some of it stick. And it cannot because of the work and the confirmations that you have had and going around the world and. Um, with all the uh, the, because I know David, you you've gone around the world fifty of over fifty different countries, and and um, do you see since two thousand six? Do you see as you as you said, some a lot of the media is is now coming to the forefront, but have you seen a change, a shift in terms of people listening more? Those who didn't listen before. Have been listening more now. Are opening more? Are more much more open to your investigations and a platform? Do you see more of that happening in the world? Yes, I do. And once had a, been a great catalyst on that was the International Tribunal, which you mentioned earlier, and reported. Uh, oh, it's reported now. It's interim report. The nine jurists, including the uh, uh, Jeffrey Nice from formerly from the War Crimes Tribunal in Britain, 
and his uh, group and his report and and the, the witnesses they heard and the state and the final conclusion they came to was extremely helpful and as i recall looking at the media covering that in london back uh, several months was was enormous so that's helped too what's happened now is is the pandemic and maybe we can talk about that a little bit because please uh, please please i uh, like yourself i'm sure and a lot of people viewing this i've done my utmost to try to find out uh, what happened exactly and what what i in fact i've written an art, some articles about this if they're on the website what i've discovered and you're I'm sure your viewers have discovered is that in places where the government immediately stopped people coming into the country uh, after January, the end of January, uh, the best, probably the best example of that was New Zealand, but uh, Taiwan did it. Taiwan, the government of Taiwan, for example, uh, as soon as they realized something was going on in, in Wuhan, they uh, sent people over there they quickly determined that yes this was a terrible thing virus that was there they came back and they stopped and nobody could come into taiwan from uh, first from from uh, wuhan and then from ubei province they stopped people from china coming at a very very early date unfortunately canada didn't stop people coming from china until much much later a whole lot of other countries italy and, and others both well, uh, United States uh, didn't do what they should have done, but it's, it's interesting that the prime ministers and the presidents of the country that were most effective on this, most of them were women. Women who would listen to experts, wouldn't uh, let that male ego get in their way and try and say, I'm a tough guy, this is not going to bother my people, as some of them did, and you can think of some examples. But uh, what clearly happened was that the uh, when this virus was discovered in Wuhan, the government of China should have stopped people from immediately, they should have closed down on Wuhan and that did what they did about three weeks too late. As your viewers know, that was the, the New Year's holiday. I heard something like 40,000 people left Wuhan to go to different parts of China and different parts of the world. And uh, unfortunately, they went to Italy and they went to Spain and they went to a lot of places. And of course, the wor worst hit now, I guess, is the United States. So uh, um, you, you needed people who would listen to expert advice and stop people from coming in. Even in Hong Kong, by the way, did you know this, this Mitch? The, mm -hmm. the medical workers in Hong Kong realized what was happening. And so they went on strike uh, for three days. And they said, you're not going to allow anybody to come into Hong Kong from the mainland. And uh, the uh, ex chief executive, uh, Lamb finally, because of the pressure, said, "Okay, anybody coming has to go into quarantine." So, in fact, it had the same effect. They stopped people coming from mainland into Hong Kong. As a result, Hong Kong is one of the least affected. But you needed people who, who, and all of this, as you, I'm sure you're going to say, was contrary to the advice coming from the World Health Association: was that don't stop the planes coming, uh, let them come, and and Canada is one of the ones that foolishly allowed the people to continue to come for until it was far too late. I'll stop there. I can go on a long time. No, I think it's absolutely absurd that uh, we are listening to the very, the very regime that basically covered up and lied about the virus uh, 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 we 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 heard that we heard that the World Health Organization 
praising China for, uh, oh. for, for, for doing such a wonderful job. And just to add to what you were saying, uh, I don't know if you saw the viral, it went viral on social media how the Taiwanese woman asked one of the World Health Organization puppets, I would call him, about Taiwan, Taiwan's uh, uh, um, joining of the World Health Organization. And he basically pretended to ignore her then deleted the call and she called back and she, she he wouldn't answer why Taiwan wasn't admitted to the World Health Organization. Obviously, China, the communist regime, does not want Taiwan anywhere involved. Even though Taiwan has one of the lowest, if not the lowest, death rates, they did something right as well. As you said, in Hong Kong, stopped the, 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 the incoming flights, as Vietnam did as well. They closed all the borders. But Oh, good. I'm delighted to hear that. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, from the moment when they were first made aware of the outbreak in late December, the Chinese Communist Party's officials tried to desperately uh, suppress any efforts to alert the public of the human-to-human transmission. So they silenced about eight doctors, one of them being uh, the doctor Li Wenliang, who just obviously yeah. dro- he, he died. He tried to warn his colleagues and um, he was he was forced to uh, to to. to you know, to to remain quiet, and the party also prevented hospital executives from alerting their own workers. So, I mean, you know, you're dealing with a monstrosity. I mean, the communist regime has killed folks over 100 million people, decimated 5,000 years of culture. We have a man like David Kilgore and his colleagues um, that have confirmed over 52 pieces of evidence that this has been going on of forced organ harvesting, the cover-up in the lives of the communists, the CCP virus. I mean, what's racist about that? I mean, we call a spade a spade. And it's got nothing to do with the Chinese people. I mean, if anything, it's the Chinese people that have suffered the most here. And now it's been boiling over into the world where over, what, 60,000 deaths have occurred in America. That's more deaths than the Vietnam War in, uh, in total. Iran, Italy. Um, and uh, it's shocking, David, how people still do not realize the extent of how how evil and sinister this regime is. But I think that... What I've realized, because I've been on the front line for a long time, trying to get on shows, trying to get you on shows, um, and and, and talk about you. Every time I go on shows, I mention your books, I mention Ethan's books, and um, I think because of this worldwide pandemic that has now affected people around the world and is now literally on the doorstep of people's 401k plans, uh, savings, uh, job losses, death rates, people are now starting to really prick their ears up and pay attention to, oh my God, we have to take, we have to be more uh, aware about and focusing on China. So I have absolutely no doubt that in the coming uh, months or I think year, you will be so busy going on hopefully more media stations. And anyway, before we let you go, David, because I think you're very busy and, and, and it's, it's quite late there in Canada, I mean, in, in, in Ottawa, uh, if you can share with the, 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 the listeners your book, your website, anything that they can do to contact you, if there's any podcast uh, reporters out there that are listening to the show, if they could have you on, just share a little bit of the information so people can, can, can follow you on, if you're on Twitter, just whatever you can give them, uh, they can share, they can follow you. Well, I'm actually on Facebook, but you're only allowed to have 5,000 people as friends on Facebook, and I'm always bumping up against 5,000, but I do sometimes go through and take off people that aren't being very active. So I, I, if somebody is anxious to join, send me, a, send me a, an email, and I can probably try to make a space for you. It's just it's, it's dwkilgore at gmail.com. The, uh, one, one comment you made, which I, I, can't, I have to make a 
say something about you know you, you described that terrible incident it was actually in hong kong where the where the doctor was being interviewed by the reporter and he pretended he didn't hear her question then he cut her off i happened to be watching and i saw that and the good news for you was that that or the terrible news as a canadian is that doctor's a canadian as you probably know mm. and the, the members of the health committee in our parliament last week voted to compel him to come and give evidence about why the World Health Organization handled the uh, the pandemic so the way it did, which is I think most of us would say was was not responsibly, and uh, the uh, the and I hope your viewers know that the head of the World Health Organization, Dr. Tedros, was a was a minister in the Ethiopian government that was not very nice, and at one point you recall after, shortly after he got he won this position with the help of the government of China. He asked that uh, Robert Mugabe be a goodwill ambassador for the World Health Organization. <laughs> that, <laughs> there was such a, an overwhelming negative response to that one that he withdrew it. But but going back to your um, your question, the, the website. I, I hope there's a lot of stuff on the website. It's actually it's I've been keeping it for about 15 or 20 years. It's broken down by topic, so I hope people can find this one, for example, and organ pillaging. There's a, I try to put up only things that are substantive and uh, are from responsible pe persons. So I, I hope they can find stuff there. I hope some people will, will go from my website to the uh, website, as you mentioned, of the uh, coalition, International Coalition Against Organ Abuse. And there you can see there there's uh, all kinds of stuff. And they can, if they like to join, we would love to have them. So I, I'm, um, there's no... Uh, there's no shortage of material out there, believe me. And, and we try to be very, very careful what we put up uh, on the websites because we, we want people such as those watching your show to, to consider joining our coalition. The more people we can get in more countries and more occupations and so on, the stronger we'll be. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the, the, the website, folks, uh, to David's uh, work, uh, david-kilgore, K-I-L-G-O, ur.com david-kilgour.com he's wrote uh, an amazing book called bloody harvest that can be bought on amazon uh, also uh, ethan gutman's book the slaughter you can go to intransplantabuse.org his update is there and the information is uh, is irrefutable i mean this is a beyond a doubt genocide to a measure we've never experienced and seen in our lifetimes before and um, I'm just grateful, David, that you have uh, you, 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 you come on. And I just want to ask you one more question before you go. It's a really good question that was asked to Ethan. Um, what do you say to those people who still doubt that organ harvesting has occurred or is occurring on a large scale in China, especially through the use of Falun Gong practitioners? What do you say to these kind of people? Well, you can go through all of our evidence, which is laid out in the books. Ethan's book, uh, David made us our book, Bloody Harvest. It's all laid out there. And you might say, well, I don't like this approach. Well, then, fine, put that aside and look at some of the... You, you mentioned, I think, 50 kinds of evidence. I think what we've done is, uh, whether it's 50 or, or 18, the strongest 18, we said the strongest 18, but I've, I've done not, uh, many jury trials and I have no doubt whatsoever that if a jury was to hear uh, all or some of this, enough of this evidence, they would be out about five minutes before deciding the evidence was overwhelming and the, and the government of China was guilty. 
the International Tribunal in London did exactly that over uh, several months, and they came up with no doubt whatsoever in their minds that it was happening. And they didn't, uh, they, we didn't, and they didn't specifically deal with the question of what's happening to the Uyghurs as organ donors, but because it happened very late in the process. But uh, anybody looks at what happened to Falun Gong, I don't think we'll have much doubts that the same thing is happening to the Uyghur community. And that's uh, to kill people because of their, their faith community is, um, is in fact, let me end with an example, if I may, of a woman Please. I met, I met at, a, at, a, at a World Uyghur Congress event in the university uh, in, in Washington, D.C. She's a, she's a mother from Xinjiang who had, had, uh, had triplets. The triplets were born in Egypt. She came back to Xinjiang to visit her parents. This was, uh, I guess, three or four years ago now. They got off the plane in Urumqi. They were arrested. Her three uh, triplets were taken away from her. And she was put into basically into a cell. Uh, the next time she saw her, the children, by the way, were about three or four months old. They were very young. Next time they brought two of the children to her, they told her that one of the children had died. You know, died? And so, uh, anyway, eventually, thanks to the government of Egypt, she, uh, she, got, uh, she got out of this terrible condition she was in in the prison. And eventually... Uh, uh, she was allowed to go back to Egypt because she was a citizen of Egypt. And I give great credit to the government of Egypt for that. Then eventually she went to the United States and she's now a, a refugee in the United States. But that's one example of one woman coming from another country to visit her parents and what happened to her. So you, you can imagine what happened to this happened to between one and three million people, the estimate is, uh, living in, in uh, Xinjiang. It's, it's simply, uh, it's unspeakable. So uh, you don't have to be a, a, a Falun Gong practitioner or a, a Uyghur. You've got to do it because human life is supposed to be important. And all of us, wherever we are, whether we have a religion or no religion, we have to make an effort to try to stop the kind of uh, uh, terrible, terrible things that are happening, hideous things that are happening to uh, the Uyghur community and the Falun Gong community and are continuing to happen to both of them. Unreal. And, and as the great uh, parliamentarian Edward Burke, Edmund Burke said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. So, my goodness, uh, uh, Sir David Kilgore, I mean, I take my hat off to you and I'm so grateful that you've graced the show to share about your, your incredible... Uh, I mean, journey, I mean, and it's only going to get more uh, uh, because I, 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 I truly do believe, I mean, like I said, for the, uh, in the next three, three days, folks, I'm coming on my 20th anniversary ever since 2001, even before we even heard uh, about this, um, this atrocity, this new form of evil, as, as David Kilgore and David Mattis have coined it, about the forced organ harvesting. Uh, 20 years of, of exposing this. This is really about to blow. The, the the lid is about to be blown off. I mean, Pandora's because uh, a Pandora's box because the communist regime cannot uh, uh, cover this up anymore. I mean, I think they're like cornered rats, rats on a sinking ship. There, there's no way that they can uh, uh, cover this up anymore. So, David, I look forward to seeing you on the mainstream media even more so than ever before. 
uh, I keep you in my prayers. And uh, folks, go to his website, david-kilgour.com. Read his book, Bloody Harvest, by uh, and the Kilgore Mattress Report, because the Kilgore Mattress Report is the creme de la creme. I mean, the 140-page report, it's it's free of charge. Even uh, uh, the, the, at dot org. Doctors Against Forced Organ Harvesting is also a ban of doctors yes. that uh, come together. Uh, the, the Kilgore Matters Report leads the way, the expedition to unveil this new form of evil that the world really hasn't come to really grasp, and and but very soon will, because there will be absolutely no way for them to ignore this much longer. Uh, and so with that, David, is there any final words you would like to share with our audience? You, you do a great job, and I wish I could meet all your viewers, and I wish they'd all have a chance to say something or ask a question. I'd I'm sure they're a fascinating group of people. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Thank you, David. God bless, and we'll we'll talk to you soon again. Okay, bye for now. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. 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 I'm not sure how I guess I turn that off here. Are we off here now? That was was Yeah, you're good. You're good. Is that okay? No worries. Take out any parts you don't like, Mitch, please. No, no, I loved it. I loved it. It was perfect. It was wonderful. How long were we on for about um, yeah, you know, you're you're pretty much with the clip and everything. It'll be almost exactly an hour, so it's perfect. <laughs> wonderful. So okay. I'll I'll just no, David, that was wonderful. Um, magical, wonderful. Well, good thing, Mitch. You're a gem, and please be careful, my friend. Yes, I will. I will, and I look forward to seeing you on the mainstream. Truly, I I can't wait to see you. I cannot. I know it's going to happen. I mean, ABC has got you, but I mean, we're talking about all over the mainstream, whether it's the right. Or the left or the middle, I can wait because you're going to be extremely busy soon. And I know it's not for the fame and the fortunes about the issue, but I really truly see, see you and Ethan and, and, and Mattis going on some serious shows very soon. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks, Angel. Thanks, thanks, Rich. Well, folks, there you have it. I mean, again, from Dr. Invertotti I had last week to the Honorable David Kilgore this week. It's just unbelievable how in this day and time this kind of evil can occur right under our noses, thinking that, you know, in life, you go through a lot of things in life as a human being, and there are certain things in life you do not cross the line. uh, One is murder, one is rape, um, and um, as a human being, you, you, you try and live your life in the best possible way as a good Samaritan would, um, and uh, no one's perfect. Uh, we've all, you know, added fuel to the flame. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's no perfect individual, um, but this is insane. I mean, when you are, a, especially as a superpower, to kill your own citizens for their organs forcefully without any consent, then burn their bodies, and you are a sitting on the human rights councils, the United Nations councils, and on governing bodies and creating and and, and, uh, conducting multi-billion dollar contractual obligations with multinational corporations around the world. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, we've had the Nazis. We've had the um, many empires in the world. We had Nero. I mean, it's Stalin, Mao Zedong. He killed 40 million people, but to have this in this day and time when technology advancement is supposed to be the way of the future and we're supposed to be educated people, come to a point where how could 
we allow history like this to repeat itself when we've gone through atrocities in the beginning, uh, in, in, in the past, uh, where millions of people through world wars, through famines, through genocide in different countries, I mean, from Rwanda to Armenia to Nazi Germany that has taken place to Yemen, I mean, and, 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 and with ISIS, I mean, and now this, and the world remains silent. Majority of the world leaders remain silent, uh, kicking innocent countries off the, uh, the the World Health Organization, like uh, like like Taiwan, uh, because of the contractual obligations. And I mean, <laughs> it's unbelievable, folks. So, people like David Kilgore are godsends uh, to do what he can do and spread or shed. Just a tiny bit of light, and that's why I took it upon myself for no money, no fame, no fortune, just to share a little bit of light. Because what is a man who cannot make the world a better place? And as as I shared with you, what Edmund Burke said, the great parliamentarian: the only thing necessary for triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Um, same, what um, um, what's his name? Uh, Albert Einstein said, you know. Um, the uh the uh what did he say? Let me uh share his his quote. I, I had it up here, but again, good people um uh, the world will not be destroyed by those who do evil, but by those who watch and do nothing. So we can all sleep in our beds and we can all make our money and we can all go on about our lives not having anything to do with this kind of heaviness and this atrocity because I know our lives are so riddled with struggle and hardship and stress and anxiety, especially what is going on with this virus that has affected all of our jobs and our families and our livelihood and our investments and our savings. But for the love of God, people, we definitely need to pay attention to this. So I am going to continue exposing this. Um, I'm going to continue sharing this. I'm going to continue speaking up about this. And within the coming shows that I am going to place into existence, I am um, going to unravel more truths I've decided um, that people might not like, that will ruffle ruffle feathers. Um, But what is again to fail to expose evil and to fail to support good is unacceptable. And the lion heart, in good conscience, cannot sit by and watch good men do nothing while triumph of evil occurs. And the, the evil is not triumphing. The evil is actually running for cover. Uh, they're on their last leg and they're almost out of steam. So until next week, stay safe, stay healthy, keep that positive mindset always intact. Live in your hearts and um, be sure to spread the, the word, the message, and the show to as many people as possible, far and wide. And uh, again, see you on the flip side, or as Pink Floyd would say, on the dark side of the moon, bringing light to it as best as I can. Take care, everybody, until another episode of Unleashed Radio Show, Unleashed Truth Radio Show. We don't forget the truth there. Uh, your host, Mitchell. Take care, and we'll see you again.